Hello, I'm Rena Grobe, and I'm Madhvi Romani, and this is Misinformed, where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So, Madhvi, what did you get obsessed with this week? So recently, a friend of yours came to visit from Denver, and she was talking about the vaccination effort in the U.S. and she said. That they were about just above fifty percent vaccinated, which is true. Fully vaccinated people are at fifty three percent, and people who have had just one vaccine is at sixty three percent. And considering that the U.S. started way before us and rolled out the vaccines really fast, and their method, as she was pointing out, sounded really good compared to Germany, where we have to really try to find appointments. She said you could go to Costco and get a vaccine. You could drive through, get a vaccine. You could get a vaccine everywhere. So it was surprising that they weren't at a hundred percent already, which got me thinking about the anti-vax movement because I feel like we've plateaued also a little bit in Germany. A lot of people are not vaccinated at this point when they fully could be. So yeah, I've just been thinking about the anti-vax movement and. Why it exists and why it's actually so powerful and influential at this moment. So recently, they've introduced the term vaccine hesitancy instead of anti-vax because they say that it sort of encompasses all groups of people who are sort of, for various different reasons, don't want to take the vaccine. And there are people who, for legitimate reasons, don't want to get the vaccine. But in relation to this, the one story that caught my eye hilariously. Was the anti-vax protest in London, where they decided to storm the BBC building, only for it to be the wrong building? The BBC had moved a year ago, and that is hilarious, and I think kind of sums up this very anti-vax sort of movement very nicely. This happened like a week ago. It's so interesting that anti-vax has become, or vaccine hesitancy has become, such a thing in Italy because they also have problems with this. They're thinking of maybe making the vaccine compulsory, and there's a big debate going on in Italy about that. So this is really a hot topic right now. I think that a lot of times the concerns around people who don't want to be vaccinated is painted as very black and white, and there are some just foolish people out there who don't want to be vaccinated who fall for conspiracy theories. But there are people with legitimate reasons for sort of doubting public healthcare systems. I think. A lot of times in these public debates, it's sort of forgotten that certain marginalized communities and groups who haven't always been treated well, in fact, who have been mistreated and abused by medical health professionals and health systems, have every right to be distrustful of a system that has never done anything in their favor. Yeah. So obviously, the black community, for example, has been terribly treated by the medical community, not always to their own advantage. They've been tested on, forced. To do certain medical procedures, experimented on, and medicine is not made like it's not made for women in some ways. It's also not made for a lot of ethnicities in terms of testing and stuff. However, the anti-vax movement is fundamentally a racist movement, and at its head is actually privileged white people. The conversation had a really interesting article about the history of vaccination, and in fact. Inoculation had its foundation in a number of non-Western cultures before it was incorporated into Western medical practice. 
It was practiced in China and the Middle East and North Africa. And its use in North America was initiated by the knowledge of an enslaved man called Onesimus, who famously taught the procedure to a Puritan minister, Cotton Mather, during the smallpox outbreak in the 18th century. So what they used to do is take some pus from postules, quite disgusting, of someone with a mild form of smallpox and then purposely scratch it into the arm of a healthy person. And then that would convey the mild form of the disease and thereby protect the person, you know, from the deadly forms. And these non-Western origins basically fueled some anti-vaccination criticisms. Opponents of the practice declared it filthy, useless, and a dangerous rite, akin to the charms and incantations of an African savage. This racialized language about, you know, this savage practice was repeated throughout the years, and this idea of it being something that came from medicine man. And anyway, this idea of white freedom came into it. And this is where you see this paradox, because white people talking about their freedom to choose to vaccinate when black people were enslaved, the paradox did not hit them. And even now on Instagram and stuff, I see all of these posts saying, you're anti-mask, you want your freedom there, but you are also anti-choice when it comes to abortion, for example. And I always think, are those the same kind of groups of people? And actually, largely, they kind of are. So obviously, like I said, you know, 200 years ago, there was the first sort of controversy over vaccines. But the modern anti-vaccine movement actually started in about 2014-15 with the measles outbreak that happened when unvaccinated visitors at Disneyland in California caused an outbreak of 125 cases. And then this went public, everyone was screaming, shouting about it, and then it kind of became a bipartisan issue in a way. Anti-vaxxers started to campaign, and a researcher at Stanford called Rene DeResta actually found through Twitter analysis that there was an evolution in the messaging of the anti-vaxxers, they found that if they focused on freedom more, legislators would help them out more. Whereas if they talked about kind of toxins and stuff like that, it wasn't as effective. And this was at the time of the Tea Party and all this kind of stuff. So this vaccine choice messaging was born. And it was a lot of Republicans that jumped onto this anti-vax movement. And yeah, like you say, although obviously... Black people are kind of targeted by these films like anti-vax that are coming out right now and they are hesitant. Still the money and the movement and the campaigning, it's mostly rich, white, very privileged movement because in the end, you know, those people have the money and the wealth and the health and everything to fight any disease that comes their way. They have other means and in the end... It will be the poorer, marginalized communities that really suffer from not being vaccinated. I think when it comes to the anti-vaccination movement in Germany, part of the thing that's standing in the way is Germany's insane data protection laws. Because as an example, in other countries where they aren't as bizarre about data protection the same way we are, they have been doing studies and doing surveys where they ask people in-depth questions about nationality, gender, race, age, so on and so forth. And then 
also asked them about their opinions towards the vaccine. So they are able to collect data and understand which groups of people are vulnerable to misinformation and are hesitant and are able to effectively target those groups and work at getting more people vaccinated. Whether it's effective or not is another thing, but they have the information to be able to tackle this problem. In Germany, because of our data protection laws, we can't even collect this information. So there's no way of knowing which groups of people are hesitant, which groups of people are vulnerable, and how can we increase the willingness to get the vaccine. And this is going to be a huge problem going forward. Literally yesterday, a friend of mine met somebody who hadn't taken the vaccine because of freedom. And I think the freedom argument, yeah, there are marginalized communities. I don't think that's stopping at 63%. You know, that's not the majority of the people in Germany, especially, which is predominantly German and white. I think it probably is this freedom narrative. Mm. Well, vaccine hesitancy is at a 20-year high, and it's only growing. We were talking about this before, that like a lot of it comes down to storytelling, right? Because it's a very highly personal issue. So if you're watching the news and you're given all these numbers, these facts and these figures, convincing you to get the vaccine, numbers, facts and figures and authority, you know, figures who you have no connection to on television are going to be less effective than personalized stories. So if your neighbor's daughter's cousin got the vaccine and her arm fell off, there's that personal connection. And you're more likely to listen to that than a graph on the evening news that tells you how important and effective it is to get the vaccine. So there is a thing about the way that we have been approaching getting people to participate in getting vaccinated has been wrong. I think that sometimes we lose the humanity aspect in it, right? It's at the end of the day, personal things are more effective than, you know, something you read on the news. In her recent book, Stuck, Heidi Larson quotes the Australian epidemiologist Stephen Leader and says, facts are not rejected because they are seen as wrong, but because they are seen as irrelevant. So she's alluding here to the fact that, yeah, we need to increasingly prioritize stories over statistics. So during the pandemic, pseudoscience and what's now been termed conspirituality has been on the rise. The definition of conspirituality is a blend of conspiracy theory and spirituality often seen on social media among wellness proponents. The term conspirituality emerged in 2011 in the Journal of Contemporary Religion, and it kind of examined the overlap between conspiracy theory and New Age beliefs. So there's been this overlap between the alternative medicine community and anti-vaccine rhetoric, A lot of this was helped because in a pandemic and during the early days of a pandemic, there is a lack of certain scientific answers, which means that you have to use your judgment, I guess, rather than rely on science. And especially because of Instagram, there's been this overlapping of wellness, conspiracy theories and anti-vax communities. And there was this really nicely titled article in The Atlantic called Pastel QAnon, which referred to the phenomenon that all of these conspiracy theories were being made palatable by these beautiful blush-coloured squares and sort of spiritual-seeming phrases that came in the shape of white women in yoga poses and stuff like that. These narratives of truth 
health freedom, human rights, all of this kind of stuff has really played into it. And apparently identity has a lot to do with it too. So Timothy Caulfield, who is the research chair in health law and policy at the University of Alberta in Canada, said the anti-vax movement uses language or concepts or philosophies that may have intuitive appeal and brings people into their community, like choice, liberty, food freedom, holistic health. And people are like, okay, that aligns with my personal identity. But then that identity is used to also radicalize people because then they see people like them who have similar views. And then that allows them to become more wedded to all of the philosophies embedded in this group. So, you know, maybe you like yoga and organic food, but then there are others like you who also like those things, plus are anti-vax or anti-mask. And you'll, you'll likely adopt those tenets of the identity as well. So Arthur Kaplan who is a professor and founding head of the Division of Medical Ethics at NYU School of Medicine in New York City, says the language about freedom and choice surrounding vaccines is just replacement for the older, disproven anti-vaccine rhetoric about safety. So there are a lot of anti-vaxxers who found that their arguments about safety have weakened, and now they're just shifting the ground to choice, which is basically what happened before. It just becomes an argument about freedom, which is why I said, like, this guy that was talking to a friend of mine, his only reason was that they are making him take the vaccine, which actually they are not in Germany. It's not compulsory. So I think he thinks that people are making him maybe because you can't do certain things or certain things are harder without a vaccine. But it also seems obvious that it puts everyone's health at risk when you don't take the vaccine. Yeah. I just wanted to read you quick the definitions of anti-vaxxers from Urban Dictionary because they're quite funny. Anti-vaxxers, a person who thinks they know more about medicine and public health than the overwhelming majority of doctors, scientists, immunologists, and every major health organization across the whole entire planet. I don't need to believe in evidence-based medicine and fancy science made up by sheeple and shills. I'm an arrogant anti-vaxxer. Someone who does not know what the definition of research is has a Google PhD and is anti-science or lacks the critical thinking skills to determine real science from pseudoscience and parrots other people's ill-informed conclusions about vaccination. There are no intelligent, well-educated people that are also anti-vaxxers. I do think it's really important at this point to point out that there is a definition between anti-vaxxers and people who are vaccine hesitant because in no way want to include people who have been poorly treated by the government in these definitions. All people who have genuine concerns and a lot of them do exist. The funny thing about the two definitions that you just read out, they were posted on Urban Dictionary in 2015, and that's about when this entire movement sort of started and gained momentum and became really public and outspoken and started gathering followers. Because before then, it wasn't really even an issue. It was just like, okay, you get vaccined, whatever. Like, you know, everyone now is talking about, oh, what are the risks? Should I take it? Should I not? Which one should I take? I mean, when we were in school, we just got the stuff and I didn't even think about it. And I think in a way, you know, this movement just gained momentum and became so big. There was an opinion in the New York Times that was titled, This is the Moment the Anti-Vaccine Movement Has Been Waiting For, because now this is the topic of the world. And it's just pointed out that in order to fight the anti-vaccine movement, we have to use the same tools of political rhetoric and mobilization, a bit like you were saying with the storytelling. 
to speak up against misinformation and to swarm lawmakers to, you know, oppose bills that harm public health. Because there's been this big movement on the anti-vax side, but everyone else has just been carrying on as normal. And obviously this is really important as we go forward because there will be other diseases in the future. And on that note... Here are our three things you can do this week to be a better person. Thing one, if a member of a marginalized community expresses their hesitancy over taking the vaccine, withhold judgment and try to understand why they might feel this way and historically what has led them to this opinion and think before you speak. Thing two, don't let your identity radicalize you. So if you like a certain influencer you don't have to take on all facets of their identity or their beliefs into your own way of being. And thing three, if there's anyone in your circle, your family, your friend group who doesn't want to get vaccinated, maybe take the time to sit down, have a conversation with them and figure out why they do not want to get vaccinated and how you can help address some of their concerns. Until next week, thank you for listening. Goodbye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you like, you can share your internet obsessions with us. Tweet us at the underscore miss underscore informed or follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed. You can also send us an email at misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. You can also listen and subscribe via YouTube. For news about the show or upcoming events and links to all our sources, references and other geeky inspiration subscribe to our newsletter you can find the link via our instagram we are an independent non-profit podcast if you would like to show us some love you can make a one-off donation via our soundcloud or support us on patreon at patreon.com misinformed thank you for listening until next time goodbye